Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Centurion Leadership Battalion podcast, your source of accountability, inspiration, and motivation to become your best and reach your fullest potential every day. Our motto, it's simple, to use our determination to crush our everyday leadership tasks so that we dominate in our delivery of services and products to our clients and achieve victory and personal growth, profitability, and creating environments for those around us to prosper. Let's get this show started. Welcome back to the Centurion Leadership Battalion podcast. It's your host, Elena. We have Justin with us, and we're really excited to have you back for another episode today. Today's question is really awesome. I hope that it provides some insight for you and just encourages you and helps you to become the best leader that you can be. Today's question is, why is encouragement important in leadership? And as always, we would love if you could leave us a review, leave us a rating if this episode helps you in any way. You can also share this episode with someone in your life or on your social media. You can tag us at Centurion Leadership Battalion on Instagram, and we would really appreciate that. Hey, Justin, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you, Elena? I am good. Thank I'm excited you. for our topic. I am too. Thank you everyone for listening in. I think um, the podcast continues to grow and, and thank you everyone. And always reach out to us on Instagram, uh, the Centurion Leadership Battalion. It's awesome. And I appreciate everyone listening in and um, feel free to go um, to our personal um, Instagram accounts too. Elaine and I both have a lot of great content on there and do a lot of fun things different. Um, mine's more leadership based or uh, family based. And Elena, I would say is, is starting to um, get more vocal uh, and vulnerable as well and, and expanding her brand, which is, she's got a lot of followers, guys. She's building quite a brand for herself. So kind of fun. And also, I mean, we all want to follow little um, Hamade um, about to uh, embark on, on the life, right? the little baby boy that's right coming in june so he's going to be very prepared for leadership by the time he comes out so <laughs> he's going to be ready he's been listening to all this yeah. talk yeah so but i think i just think it's so cool and um elaine it's like just so you know you've done a great job and on the last podcast we talked about your college experience and sort of the leadership and accountability you've had in your own life um, and just the maturity that you've had because of it and the preparedness that you've had to handle life, um, I would say shows. And I think anyone who's listening in, like, you know, Elaine is a good role model for people, um, you know, in your early 20s or mid 20s or even late 20s at this point on, you know, balancing your life and a career and a side hustle and building your own personal brand and, and building a family. Um, there's a lot of people I could say that do it. But Elena is the one out there and representing herself. And I feel that um, I'm going to just encourage everyone to go listen. Um, oh, I appreciate I'm Yeah, I definitely can't give any advice on um, being pregnant. So we're going to, and leading in that way. So we're going to leave that up to you. And, I'll do my best. Uh, yeah, so um, no, but in all honesty, it's a really, really impressive. And I think that that's where we're trying to do here and, and maybe um, we're not saying we're better or we do things better than anyone, but all we're trying to do is say, hey, 
um, here's the way we do things, here's our life, here's the way we lead, and when we build ourselves or our brands, and maybe it sparks positivity in your life so you can go do the same thing or lead in a way or find a new hobby or whatever that we've exposed you to or food in some new way. And so I think that that's really one of the cool things that we're trying to do here. And we're just starting to see a lot of interest in food. And um, I know we had another topic, Elena, but I'm actually going to change the topic midstream. Because okay, I'm, I'm going to say, why is leadership so important in food service, particularly in healthcare right now? Um, because when I was just talking about it, it reminds me of the podcast I just did with Shrimp Tank last month. And one of the things is we give all these things to nurses and all these things to doctors for being in the hospitals. Yeah, we have food staff, like literally food staff that don't get paid anywhere near a doctor or a nurse running around exposing themselves to the same amount of risk in the hospitals, never missed a day of work, never complained about it, have still done it every day because most of them don't have a choice. They need food on the table. I would like to actually talk about that. We're just going to, we're going to talk about why is leadership so important in food service and healthcare right now and why we should recognize the people in it. And it's totally like my own staff, the staff that's particularly in the hospitals are in restaurants and stuff or in grocery stores that have still made sure we had food on our tables. We kind of just blanket over it. And I will tell you this, I was part of a I've sat in on some lectures or, or some things I've seen recently in some podcasts, and I am blown away by the amount of advice giving to college students to stay out of food service. Are we out of our freaking mind? Uh, it, is the, it is one of the, the craziest things I have ever heard in my entire life. And I, I've never been so angered or motivated by this. Um, until recently, until I've now, now heard it literally out of five people that are fucking out there telling me they're experts in the world and what we need to be in the world and where college students should be and where the opportunities are. And we're bankrupting food service. We are going to give away our entire reliance, whatever society needs to feed itself. And not only that, we're giving away all the opportunities in it for a future, for our children. And I am just, the, the lack of respect for the industry, the lack of respect for the food we get on our table every day, the lack of respect for how hard it was to build the food chain we have. Guys, we've been eating for tens of thousands of years. The food chains and the stuff we've done in food have taken centuries. It wasn't like the internet that was 40 years ago. Like it's a complex system and in the process of doing it, we extinct millions of animals and plants as humans. Like we already did it. And yet in the process of it, we continue to villainize food and food service, yet wanting to say we want to save the planet, wanting to say we want our children to do better, wanting to say we want better opportunities, wanting 
all these things to go away, wanting to have leadership, wanting to do all this stuff, yet we're taking the very core of our existence and our economies and ripping it out from under us. Because food service employs way more employees than any other industry, period. Like more people eat or at restaurants, work at restaurants, work in food, period. Why are you bankrupting the fricking industry? And you can let immigration open, which we're going to need to do to fill jobs. But at some point, where is all the leaders gone? Because it's, everyone's going to be like, oh, my God, what do we do to our food chain? And they're going to listen back on this podcast when Elena and I are like three generations in the ground. And we're going to look like freaking philosopher poets. Because we're telling everyone to, hey, what are you doing? Why are you bankrupting food service of leadership? And we're doing it across the board. And the more I dig and the more I find, everyone's like, stay clear. Stay clear. Get off the farm. What are we doing? Like, it is like the, one of the craziest things. And I'm, I'm like, how is it that I can sit here, I can see it, I can see we need to put people back in the farm and we need innovation, yet all the intellectual people in the world are telling everyone to stay away from food. I'm just like, and, and, and here's the part that's crazy to me is that we don't see the basic logic that we eat how many meals a day. Why the frick are we telling people to stay away from something that has a growing population and will be here forever? It's the most solid job on the planet. It's the most stable job on the planet. Yes, it has ups and downs, but it's the most stable job on the planet. No matter what, people have to eat. And so, like, I don't care what anyone says. We talked about accountability to ourselves in the last podcast. This is very much what I'm talking about. Like, the lack of the respect for the food service people or appreciation or pop dolls or or little stamps for these people who are just like the nurses and just like the doctors. And in fact, they're interacting with them even closer. They're interacting with the stuff they literally touch their mouth to. It blows my mind. And it really upsets me on a level that I, I of humanity that I just can't even fathom. And to sit behind it in degrees and in, in, in biased research and stuff like that and say that you're smarter and you know better than everyone else is not really looking at the picture and in how we've convinced ourselves of this in our schooling in our minds or to be important i don't know but it goes against all fundamental logic and science has always been disproven that's the point of science and they food service and science and food like come on guys like we disprove stuff with more science all the time that's the point of science nothing's ever actual factual finitely we always find new proofs of things maybe there's certain things that eventually are indisputable but there's a lot of things that aren't in food we're still figuring it out 100% honesty. And like I said, we've killed off a lot of plants and animals that added to our human biodiversity that we don't have now. So why keep killing it off? Why keep encouraging smart people to not be in food service, to help save our biodiversity, to help save our planet, to help save humans? Hello. Like it's that easy. Like literally, if I had 20 college students right now that were seniors, 
I will say this, that wanted to come out of college and actually do food service and actually wanted to grow in the world faster than any other person has grown before, that would be those 20 students. I'll put it out there right now. I will hire 20 students in Milledgeville to work and they will excel in a career faster than anyone else. How, how do you believe me? You don't even know me, why? Because the industry's bankrupt. Listen to the people telling you to stay away from the industry. The opportunity is in where no one is looking. So why do we need leadership in food service and why does it need to be appreciated? Because we're not doing it now and we're vilifying it. Unintentionally, we have vilified all of it. And these are the same people that are providing food. I got news for you guys. You don't feed people COVID, no people, no COVID, no COVID. People that are compromised, sickly, whatever, they die. Food, die. Essential thing. And yet we put it as medicines more important than that. It's not. They're doing just as many important things to put food and nutrition in a person's body. Honestly, 100% and way more risk getting paid way less. And so I am wound up about it, but I really just, to the point where I can't stand to hear about how everyone else is, should be applauded, but yet we're vilify food service. And yet, and here's what's even more crazy. The people that are in food service don't even have the accountability to show up to work every day to keep food service alive. They don't even have the patriotism, the appreciation, the gratitude for what it took to build a first world country food system that we are trashing it. And the only way you go from first world to third world, ladies and gentlemen, is either you get obliterated in a war or you lose you for food source and have to rely on someone else. Lose your food source, you have no wealth anymore in your country. In your country. What else, you're going to have to trade everything you do for food. That is never a position to be in because how else can you have a society if you can't feed your people? And so stop vilifying it. And I'm probably going to get people upset at me because every once in a while I obviously upset someone and we get a little tweak and I know the animal biodiversity thing. Yes, I get it. I know the Bambi stuff. I get it. I'm trying to be realistic here and logical in what human survival has been and still will be. Human survival was the mass extinction of animals and plants to grow and stay alive so we could have good times so we could procreate. Humans procreated more and were able to procreate more by their body's hormones during good times. More food, more abundancy, more children, more civilization, more society, ability to defend yourself, those societies won, period. But those societies won by like consuming massively. So we have to be very realistic that in our biodiversity to keep it alive right now, to stop extincting plants and animals to the demise of humans and our planet, we have to just look at it differently. And logically, telling everyone to stay away from this is wrong and telling everyone to stay away from it because plant-based protein is the answer wrong again plant-based protein is an option amongst diversity of protein for the human body that is necessary for us to have well-rounded nutrients and vitamins period it's that simple, guys. It's not all of a sudden sciences and we're going to find some hack code like in a video game to life. 
food in the human body is true and true and true and true all the way over. We can do protein powders. We can do all the supplements in the world. And then the day you still need food at some point, food, 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 nutrients, vitamins, stuff you get from real food. Just saying. And the more we don't eat real food, the more obese we get. I know it's an oxymoron, but it's true. So you want to appreciate life and we want to go out there during COVID and do all this and, and whatever, like you, we should start really looking at the people in food service, the people that kept restaurants open, the people that kept food going, the people that were willing to do it so people could have a different way of life and not go out to the grocery store or be afraid. Like food service people were literally going out there and doing all the shopping for a lot of people that wouldn't even leave their homes. Yet we stomp all over them and we tell college students not to be in the industry. And I swear, like, like, yeah, not that, like, passionately against this one, uh, like across the board, like it's wrong in, in every sense of the word. And if we don't see that logically as humans, like we just basically literally signed our own death certificate as humans, period. And we don't see that logically. I don't care if you don't want to eat healthier. You don't want to do whatever by the cow. But if you want to just blanket bankrupt leadership in the next generations in food service, what's the point of even having a freaking society? You can create all the jobs and NFTs and finance and service-related jobs all you want. But if you can't feed the people who are working, there's no one to work. doesn't matter how many jobs you create who's going to do the jobs if you can't feed them oh oh we can feed them oh because we're rich oh we'll buy it from every other country how long is that going to last until that country's like god thank you usa you helped us build our food system and build leadership in our food servicing now we're going to become a wealthy country because we have a food system duh that simple repeated civilization after civilization after civilization true and true and true doesn't matter how smart we are. It is the way it is. Food is the basis of what we need to have civilization and wealth and first and level one societies. And I'm not just talking about food. I'm talking about actually whole, good, healthy, nutritious food, not processed. And so we need to appreciate the people and the leaders that are fighting these fights. We need to really take a look at it, what they did during COVID and the companies that didn't close and the companies that stuck through it so entrepreneurs could still have food on their table and money on their plate if they were in other food service businesses and food service workers could still put their kids through college. Because yes, they are not white collar workers. They do not make as much money as the rest of the world. They are out there fighting every day to put food on our tables, which is our most essential need, other than water and air, right? So, or excuse me, oxygen. So I just, I don't care whether they're scientific proof or what anyone hides behind whatever, we need to really look at logically the way life is and we need to look at how we've gotten to where we have as humans and that where societies are and that we really have a choice in what the future holds but 
just like national resources, we're trying to become more reliant on natural energy to not be reliant on fossil fuels so we can become more energy dependent. You want to become more food independent as a nation, as Earth eventually. We want, we want every country to be food independent. And we want to be able to trade goods that we can't get in one place for another to add to biodiversity in our diets. But my emphasis is trade. It's not buying all of it from someone else. So sorry about that, Elena. I really went off on a pretty hard tangent there, but I can't, I really have just, I'm blown away by it. So um, I would say that anyone who's going into food service now out of college or in four years are going to be making what someone normally made in 20 years, period. There's a complete bankruptcy in people and education and anyone coming into food service, even from a call, even from a high school degree. I'm, I'm serious. Even a blue collar worker come to the job at 18, you'll be, and you have ambition, you will be farther along in the next four to eight years than you would have been in 30 years. Same thing. Bankrupt in industry. There's not many people, leaders will come and they will get paid more. And those leaders will be the best leaders because they had to be because they had the least amount of tools to lead. The least amount of people, the least amount of support, the least amount of encouragement. Because when you appreciate everyone else, but the people providing the food or the people in the hospitals, making the hospitals actually work, which is the food staff guys. They run the scheduling. They make sure the meals are fed. They make sure the diets are done. They double check everything. They make sure there's no food allergies or allergies that go on. So someone doesn't die that's compromised. There's a shit ton that goes through the nutrition and, and the health department in a hospital. Just like in medicine that has to filter in whether a medicine will do this or compromise that with this, that, or the other thing. We have to do that in the hospitals with that medicine, with the food. And there's way more different types of food and skews of food than there are medicine that can go in a hospital. And so now imagine all the spices in the world, all the things in the world that go into food, and you have to balance all that going into a diet and diets going into health. They do it all. But yet it's we appreciate everyone that, that provides the shot or provides the bed. Great. I understand they're important but so are the people feeding everyone and to just not even, not only not give them appreciation, but then go vilify them in our intellectual circles. It's wrong. And it is one of the most, I, I don't know what the word would be, but it's, it's self-sabotage. It's guaranteed, it's guaranteed civilization disaster. Like, I don't know how you don't read that and you don't know that is epic fail for a civilization. You bankrupt of, of leadership in food, in the farms, in food service, and can't feed your people, done civilization, no more first world, no more able to even trade food surplus for weapons, for money for weapons, no more of that. You should always have a surplus of food and food service employees. And you're not gonna use government subsidies to fix the problem, that's wrong too. We need to really make food for our survival. And we need to really surplus food 
that is for consumption or for production or for whatever it is we're using it for. But the fact that we have people in the United States produce food, give them a subsidiary, uh, a subsidy, excuse me, and then buy it from Mexico, that is the weirdest thing I can never understand. We'll buy it from Mexico, not corn from Mexico, and then pay the farmer in the United States not to sell his corn, basically. It's a little more complicated than that, but that's the basics of it. And so we need leadership, guys. Like someone needs to step up in the government. It's like we need to encourage our kids to go get food service jobs. Everyone should know food in the slightest. How else are you going to lead in the world when everyone eats if you don't know slightly about food or food service or food safety? I mean, literally, we like that's the whole other thing. We're, if you think like my, like everyone worries about me killing someone. Like if you walked into most of the houses in America, the food safety things thrown out the freaking window. So I'm just saying like we should learn and we should be educated and we should understand and preventative medicine is food. You want to be healthy. You want to not end up in a hospital. You want to fight COVID. You want to be better. It's about being healthy. It's also about, about staying in motion. And so I appreciate all the food service workers that are out there, all the food service workers that, that are calling out left and right and jobs. And I understand there's deaths in the family and, and COVID and we need to be careful. But I also understand that we need to go to work every day and anyone out there looking for work, you should be looking in food service. I am telling you right now, that management, supervisors, salaries, benefits, bonuses, referrals, it only gets better in food service. The more the intellectual community says that kids shouldn't be in that business and encourages people not to go into, or trade schools tell people not to go into culinary arts. So, uh, wow. Um, I really, when I started doing this podcast and I started going around, I never thought that as I grew and started speaking with others and talking with others and, and groups that I would run into that. So, um, I mean, for me personally, like I was like, Oh, I'll speak and get my voice out anywhere, anytime. It's not always going to be the way it is anymore. I'm going to be very careful about where I put myself. I'm not saying that I don't want to argue a point, but I am saying that, um, that I don't want kids or college students to think that there's an argument in the first place. And I'm sorry to say it, there's not. And it's not because I say so, it's because it's what logically we need to do as humans for our survival. And if we look at our history, and the way we've got to where we are, it was by mass dis extinction of plants and animals for our consumption of food. So if we don't want to ultimately run out of food because we run out of biodiversity, we're going to need real leaders in food. And I don't care if they started off at a McDonald's. They need to start somewhere. You know, mowing whatever grass on a farm, I don't know, but expose them to something on what food is. We don't expose kids to any way where our food comes anymore. It's not even a topic in our schools. 
yet we all do it every day at lunch in the schools. And we spend the least amount of money on food in schools. We spend money on teachers and books and all that stuff, but yet we want nutritionally strong, smart kids. But how is their brain going to learn if we're not feeding them nutritional items because we're too freaking cheap to, to spend the money on food? Same in the hospitals, guys. Same in the long-term care homes. We spend terribly low amounts on food when it is part of the medicine. It's unbelievable. And it is part of the human growth. And if we want kids to learn school, we need to feed them properly. Like we're willing to invest in thousands of dollars in our kids to play sports, yet we don't invest in them to eat the right meals so they have healthy brain function. And not only healthy brain function, but let's talk about exceptional brain function because that is possible too through food. So, you know, um, leadership in food service and in food is, is desperately needed. Um, I think a start is for us to just realize that we vilified people that kept their restaurants open. We vilified food service employees like I for trying to deliver food to hospitals that had COVID patients in it. That's how backwards this is. You applaud the medicine and the, the people in the medical field, yet you villainize the food people trying to give food to the hospital patients. That really was one of the most shocking things for me during COVID at Food Service Partners. It blew my mind. And not just a few times. Why is food, like, we should not be doing that. How dare you do that? How dare you put everyone over? Oh, what's the option? Not feed anyone in the hospitals? They die. They're compromised. They need food, not just medicine. Like, it's really that simple. And the fact that we don't just accept death as like a possibility because we're so distant from it as a society at this point because we live so long. But listen, guys, food, water, air, or sorry, oxygen, you die without them. Especially when you're compromised. There's not a, you're not going to live seven days without food. Like you'd read, someone's typing on the internet. Well, Justin, it says on here on the internet, you can live three days without food. True. Not when you're compromised. So, you know, I get all the intellectual perspective, but it's a perspective and it usually lacks the experience to understand what's really going on in the food world. And let me tell you guys, like I said, it's tens of thousands of years to build the food systems, structures, whatever we had. Yes, the agricultural boom and industrial revolution, how much that moved us forward, how quickly it took years of building those into place beforehand. And it took years of us extincting plants before we found the right corn and the right wheat and the right cow. So look it up, guys. I'm telling you, we used to be around. There are humans were on the planet with 20-foot sloths in Madagascar running around. We killed them off to gross civilizations. 20-foot sloths. Not kidding. Huge animals roam this planet with us. We use them to grow humans. We use them to find stabilities and procreate and mass produce humans and for eventually so we could have more wealth. And I don't have anything against wealth. I'm just saying 
that you can tie wealth and doing the right thing now together. We can do that as humans. We can tie our entrepreneurial endeavors and our leadership endeavors to saving the planet as well as making money. And we can go round and round about fossil fuels and carbon all day long. I hear it like it still freaking fundamentally blows my mind that we don't say food is the answer. We all eat, we all spend money on it. We all can make the effort together on food to biodiversify, to encourage multicultural farming, to sequester the carbon that's already in the air to start maybe saving the ozone and all the things we talk about because we can sequester the carbon back in to balance things back out in the ground. That's how it happens. So we just need to do it. We need to just start using the world that's here. Yes, trees bring carbon back from the air into the ground, but so does, you know, rotational farming. It's stomping that into the ground constantly with the hoofs of the animal. And you're growing the animals and you're growing the grasses and you're doing multiple animals and you every once in a while plant crops on those same areas because they're so nutrient from the organic rotation of the animals. It makes sense. It's the way nature designed it. We lived with this for tens of thousands of years. We just killed everything off. So I'm not saying we need to go backwards and run around and live in and whatever in tents and travel with the animals. But I am saying that we need to really look at encouraging leadership and biodiversity in our, in our world, especially in food service. And that means we need to be more appreciative of food service. And we need to start showing that appreciation with the way we spend our money. And I get it. Poverty and money's tight and stuff like that. There's ways to do it. You can still buy ground beef versus a packaged process something or other just saying so um five pounds of you know ground beef for twenty dollars at the store feeds a lot feeds your family for probably a couple of days so there's ways to do the right thing to get with the animals to get back from the freshness and the whole of your foods that's one way you appreciate the food service people we need to create jobs in food and it's not robots aren't going to solve it. You know, I don't care how much information is out there or whatever. There's a lot of knowledge in farming and there's a lot of the way that things interact and there's animals involved that we just need to work with. It's like everyone think or horses and, you know, dogs can do it and, and tractors and ATVs. Nope. Still can't do it. Or there are places horses can get where cows can get that no motorized vehicle or dog's going to get to. It's just the way it is. The dog may follow the horse. Dog may go find the cow, but the dog ain't going to get the cow out of its situation. These are the things that I'm talking about. You can modernize things so far, but you still need humans and you still need these things. And at the end of the day, we can modernize everything as much as we want. We still need biodiversity in our food and we can't just manufacture it in vitamins and nutrients and plant-based proteins and stuff like that. There's no blanket solution. The solution was already given to us. That's why we're alive. That's why we've lasted this long. It's in nature. It's right there. Why we, we, we just need to enhance it. Stop trying to fix it. Enhance it. Lead in it. We want science and everything to come along. We should look at food. We want medicine to get better. We want to fight COVID. 
we need to look at our food. And, and we want to look at being efficient. Well, we're spending money on both medical research and food. It'd be interesting to see if we spend money on the same thing, what we could do with food and preventative medicine and medicine in general. Just saying we find a lot of it, it's not bullshit. It's real stuff. And somewhere along the lines, you have where food and biochemical medicine, however we want to look at it, are going to get very similar, if not the same thing in generations to come. Food is science. Science is food. I don't care what you say. It's all science-based. How food tastes when it's mixed together, what it does to a body, the fact that it may kill someone, it's all the same. The fact that it grows bacteria and molds and all that, science, 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 science. So, yet it's nature and it's done naturally. So, when I hear the argument, I'm a little bit like, no, they're the same thing. We're talking about the same thing. Science, the science is the realization of the food and the science that's in the food and the nutrients and vitamins that are in the food and the science that we can discover by connecting foods together or different meats together or just in proteins together. Like we know that certain populations that eat animals, maybe it's a polar bear, maybe it's this animal, they get different nutritional things than we do. They have different benefits of it than we do that don't eat a polar bear, for example. I'm not saying to eat a polar bear, they're endangered, so just grain of salt. But if they could grow to a huge population and we could biodiversify them and save their population, but also lead in, in whatever that looks like, even if it's eating them and using their and selling their fur, instead of making biosynthetic fur, that seems like a better solution to me, guys. I'd rather have tons of polar bears. I don't want to kill them, especially because they're endangered. But to think that the population couldn't get big enough, that we couldn't make an industry of it where it fed us and provided us with clothing, it seems pretty realistic to me. And I know we're like, oh, the soul, and how could we kill an animal? Guys, like we're going to do it as humans, no matter what, it's how we got here. We need to figure out how to do it in the constructs of human consumption. And that is with food. So I don't know if that was good or not, Elena, but I feel that um, I really dove in. I didn't let you talk much. I apologize about that. Yeah, I think, you know, it was a very passionate subject for you to talk about. And I think it was important to share and Hopefully everyone that has the opportunity to listen to this episode will be able to, you know, make a difference and take some of the advice that you had shared here on this episode. Yeah. And I was serious. I'm serious. If there's college graduating seniors that are graduating this, that have already graduated this winter or this spring that want jobs, like the world's looking for it. Right. And I have jobs. I have jobs I'm looking for and positions that start off in, moving your way up the ladder very quickly because there is no one else. Like there's no one jumping into food unless they're an entrepreneur and trying to do their own food thing, which we're going to run out of entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs are going to start dwindling away too, because there's no food service leadership or food service employees or co-packers going into the business to support all the entrepreneurs. Straight up saying it, I have way more business than I can handle right now. That has never happened in the history of ever, but I'm telling you right now, it's because there's not enough. Uh, there's more entrepreneurs than there are co-packers right now. Way more. And so 
we need people in food service. So I'm going to try to get as much business as I can, but it means I need to have leaders that are willing to come up and, and lead. So I normally don't plug FSP, but I will plug them right now because someone's got to encourage food service leadership and, and give jobs to, to back it up. So awesome. thank you, Elena. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much. And if you want to share your Instagram handle or maybe the website where people can reach out to you and get in contact with you about this episode. Yeah. Um, my Instagram handle is at Justin Bizarro. Um, it's all one word, Justin, J-U-S-T-I-N, uh, Bizarro, B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. So that's Z-Z-A-R-R-O, B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. So you can see it also in the episode notes. Elena and I's both uh, Instagram handles are on there. Um, but thank you guys for listening in and thanks, uh, Elena for handling that pivot so well, because it sparked something that I've been meaning to talk about that has been eaten at me over the last few months that I keep wanting to talk about on the podcast. And it just happened again in, in a meeting I was in this morning with a group of, of entrepreneurs in education, and I was just blown away. So it's never fun to be the one in the room in food service when there's a lot of people that are supposed to be smarter than you are um uh saying that food service is the place that everyone should stay away from so i feel that i need to be the voice if no one else is going to be uh, so we'll see what happens absolutely well i appreciate you being on this episode and we look forward to our next episode with you guys thank you appreciate your food service workers guys especially in healthcare. care